0: it's portal season for both football and basketball and we're going to talk about what the florida gators are doing or not doing here on locked on gators you are locked on gators your daily podcast on the florida gators part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. And you every dayers know you can find my written work with whole nine sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. But now joining me is going to be Brandon Carroll from All Gators Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brandon Carroll with All Gators, and you've been here before, Brandon. You know how it is. You are the better, Brandon. We get it. Um, so that's, we'll just get that out of the way right now. But so far for the Florida Gators in the transfer portal, in football wise, at least, they've gotten one commit so far in Michigan safety, RJ Moten. How, how do you feel about the addition? Because I know that I personally loved it, but how, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I think he comes in in a position of need at safety, obviously just adds a veteran piece to that back end. Um, it's, you know, he's someone that can play in multiple roles in the secondary. He's, you know, he has snaps at free safety, he has snaps at strong safety. He's played in the box as like kind of like a hybrid linebacker. I know uh, Michigan co-defense code coordinator Jesse Mincer- Minter last year, called him a jack of all trades, said that he has a body that can play anywhere on the field. So I know that's something that Florida really, Kind of coveted in him, come you know, when they targeted him in the transfer portal. I do think that he's a little limited as a free, um, just because of uh, I I think he is you know not your average, you know, guy that's able to really cover range in a way that you would have liked. Because I think they have a plethora of strong safeties at this point. I think Kamari Wilson can be defined as that, um, Miguel Mitchell could be defined as that. And then, you know, some of the younger guys like Jordan Castell could be defined as that. And then really only have Bryce Thornton, who's going to be, uh, you know, just someone that's trying to learn the game as the year goes on. So I do think that they could have went for someone that could be in that kind of rangy uh, safety spot, a little, you know, in, in front of Moten. But I do think he's going to be a, a viable contributor for Florida this year. And who knows, maybe you can prove me wrong and be able to operate in that role because he did at Michigan at points. It just didn't seem to be what Florida was exactly needing, but it is a good addition overall because of the lack of experience in the safety room. I think that's always valuable to bring in. If you have an opportunity to be able to get someone like that.
0: Yeah. For RJ Moten, just we'll, we'll stick on him for one more, just cause I would like to ask how you kind of felt the, we'll say, we'll say the similarities between schemes kind of went into it because Jesse mentor, uh, before him, Mike McDonald, and then now Austin Armstrong, they all like to go cover three heavy and, and Austin Armstrong's obviously the most aggressive, but how do you kind of think that scheme, like not, not needing to transition to what he's been asked to do? How do you think that kind of went into it?
1: Yeah, I think that was a major role, uh, at least for Moten uh, in his transition. Cause I know he, you know, is someone that's going to want to play early and often uh, when, you know, when the season begins. So uh, just kind of not being able to have that transition period and being able to kind of jump full, th- you know, go full throttle uh, into the defense, kind of have an already a uh, foundation of what is going on in the secondary. And even in front of him. Uh, he'll be using a lot of pressures. They'll do a lot of simulated pressures where they drop an edge and rush him at, you know, points and things like that. So I think that'll really benefit him just having that base knowledge of what Austin Armstrong wants to do. Like you said, he's more aggressive. So there's going to be a, bigger um, pool of blitz packages and things like that that he's going to have to learn. But at the same time, it's going to be a uh, good fit if if he's able to kind of learn those little intricacies and details at a quick rate um, going forward.
0: Yeah, and I know that uh, a lot of Florida Gators fans are peeved at the activity in the portal, to say the least. They are very, very open about it, uh, about the activity or, or lack thereof in the portal. But how do you kind of feel about the approach that this coaching staff has taken to the second portal up? I'm a
1: little skeptical, um, just because I think that there was opportunity to land legitimate contributing factors nearly immediately. And they kind of didn't put their foot on the gas until some of those pieces are already committed, um, namely uh, Josh Simmons, who went to Ohio state, the offensive lineman. Um, he was expected to, you know, visit Florida and kind of be Florida was the front runner in that recruitment, but you know, he went to Ohio state and they shut it down on the visit, canceled his Florida visit. And that's all she wrote. So I think that there's a skepticism rightfully so from fans that say all right what is Florida doing in terms of why are they waiting so long before they really start targeting and getting these guys on campus and I I think that the skepticism is warranted just because you know it's you can't slow play the transfer portal because it's such a fast-paced environment it's not like high school recruiting where you have time to really dive into the evaluations and you know, go through from bottom to top like Billy Napier and Co. likes to do, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be changing that anytime soon. It sounds like they're going to be stuck in that, you know, uh, kind of process that they have. And that worries me. It, It does. I think that they need to move a little bit quicker and they need to be able to go get talent at positions of need that can fill spots immediately and contribute at a high level this upcoming season. And, you know, there's pieces that, are out on the market some of which are positions of need some of which are just good players but i'm not 100 sold at how this transfer portal you know spring window has gone in that process if it's something that's sustainable for a long time even though they seem to not wanting be wanting to budge on how they're going about it
0: yeah that was something that uh we spoke about on yesterday's show it was just like that high school Florida likes just like they, they take a chisel and just chip away and then just go at you no matter what. And you can't really do that in, in the portal as much. Do you think maybe part of it was, or part of this second portal window, the lack of activity was maybe not being, we'll say, confident in some of the talent in there? Like, I feel like for a lot of the spring, we heard from everybody, like, oh, this second portal is going to be just as crazy as the first. And then wasn't even half as crazy as the first one. So you think part of it was maybe just expecting more, not getting it and not wanting to just add players at positions just to add players at positions of need.
1: I think that could have definitely went into it. I think that it's, you know, something to really think about whenever you're kind of in that uh, environment and that, you know, when you jump in, you're like, all right, what's the pool of players we have to work with. And that's why they waited in according to Napier until, the window closed so they could see all right what's the pool we have to pick from and now they're in that situation where they're able to all right we can go forward here so they made evaluations throughout the 15-day window that players were able to enter but at the same time there was talk about how he didn't want to target anyone in the transfer portal during the 15-day window because he didn't want players on the current Florida team to leave and to be blunt players leaving would not be that bad of a thing because there's a lot of players on the team right now that aren't up to par in terms of being able to perform at an sec level and we've seen that from the transfers that have gone out how many upgrades have have there genuinely been from florida players that have went elsewhere i mean you have maybe avery helm to tcu considering they're a playoff team last year but is that going to be sustainable and then you have just a handful of others that have even went to a Power Five conference, and so it's just you're looking at these guys, and they're leaving and they're departing from that were pulled in by Dan Mullen, and they're not elevating. They're they're showing that they are performing on a lower level than what Florida is supposed to be performing at, and so I don't understand necessarily the uh, the want to not go and you know just be aggressive when you're trying to add talent because he's been proven to be able to add talent at a rather rapid rate last season, the transfers and recruiting players that he brought in were arguably the best players on the team outside of Anthony Richardson and, you know, the Gervon Dexters. And just, there was a, there was a handful of guys that were already in place and then the rest were transfer portal players. So I think there's a big thing that goes into how they've been going about it. And it just is a head scratcher in that regard of what is the, worry of losing some of these players when you can just replace them in the transfer portal with potentially equal, if not, you know, better contributing talent. So that's my biggest worry. And, you know, it's a, it's a long process. I think they're going to continue moving forward in this direction, but we'll see how big of a difference if there's any in the next portal window, see if they've learned from this kind of (laughs) uh, tumultuous window that we've (laughs) seen here
0: uh hopefully they do and i i'm especially like i'm on board with you as far as like you shouldn't be like oh well if people leave if you're not willing to compete then get the hell out and we don't care anyway like then then so be it it's almost june it it, i mean we're three weeks away from memorial day weekend less than that now if you're trying to get in better shape you're trying to get fit the last this home stretch here make sure to include built bar in your plan. Built bars coated in 100% chocolate, which is fantastic for me and my sweet tooth, and I'm not lying, like I hardcore sweet tooth over here. Most bars have just 130 calories, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and they're finally in store, so you can go to built or builtbar.com and go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get yourself that built bar. Flipping to basketball still transfer portal, just a completely different sport, but what is the latest for the Florida Gators in the transfer portal? Because, you know, we saw early on, they added Micah. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the last name. Not going to. It's hand,
1: hand logged in. It's just
0: Han how Logton. it looks. Okay. That yeah. looks like It's going to be crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, It looks daunting, but once you, once you figure it out, it's not that bad. But Micah Han- hand logged and came in. Walter Clayton came in. Tyrese Samuel came in. EJ Jarvis came in. Uh, you were in the final four for Tyler Perry missed on that one, but what is the latest now here as we're kind of wrapping up building this team for Todd golden?
1: Yeah, I think Tyler Perry was the major addition that they missed out on. Uh, it's really their only miss so far of the, you know, portal cycle. They've had a few others that they've been interested in that have went elsewhere, but Perry was the one they went full steam ahead and didn't get this cycle. Uh, and it was really a Kansas State Florida battle from the beginning. Kansas State got dropped in the middle of the recruitment. It looked like Florida was the front runner there. Got added back in late in that final four. Texas Tech and Ole Miss were more so just hats on the table there. And then ultimately Kansas State won out. But it was close, and I know it went down to the final minutes. And but Kansas State ultimately was the team that was expected to get him when he entered the portal, and so he eventually uh, kind of aligned with that. Uh, as he you know even though it was so up and down with them throughout the entire process moving forward I think the biggest thing that they're going to be looking for is another point guard I think just having another backcourt member is going to be the priority focus before they start filling out the twos and threes Uh, I've heard Jordan Dingle from Penn is someone that's they're looking at pretty seriously he averaged 23.4 points per game last season which was second in the entire NCAA behind the um, Uh, all-time leading scorer in college basketball uh, Deontay Davis or uh, Anthony Davis or something like that um, and who played for um, Detroit Mercy so there's him I know they looked at Quez Glover for a little bit for a potential reunion before he committed to BYU Um, they there's a guard from uh, Missouri Kansas City that they're looking at that's still out there so they have options but I I don't think they've really pinned down exactly who they're going to be Targeting I think Dingle is the definitely the major the if we, they were they were to build a board right now or if I was to try to see what their board is it would be Dingle at the top um, you know envision what they have out there because they definitely have something um, in the works but it's not clear to the public eye yet so I think the biggest thing here is targeting one of those backcourt members and then filling out on the wing you'll get probably a three and another four or two threes uh, moving forward so that they can kind of operate in that offense and have significant depth um, for both ends of the court moving forward.
0: Yeah. Florida likes to add UMKC players. That's just, that, that's hey, they'll, so...
1: they'll get Brandon
0: McKissick to recruit them. Right. Maybe. <laughs> um, but last time we spoke, we I mean, we had all these additions were already set. The only change was Tyler Perry was still up in the air last time you were here. And we kind of spoke about this year's process not necessarily being easier for Todd Golden, but he had more time to prepare this time. You know, last time or last year he got hired and kind of had to rush and fill out this roster. And it it didn't go great. You know, we spoke about missed evaluations, partially due to having to rush to to just build a roster here. But now you get to actually see your team play in your system for a year. You get to see how this team works out, what the roster is made of. You know who's going to the NBA draft, who's, who's leaving. But how do you feel about this year's class compared to last year's class, just given all of those changes of, of being better prepared this time around?
1: Yeah, I like this year's class a lot. I think last year it was more so they had the you know pieces already in tow, and then they had to fill out patchwork to – uh be kind of alongside those pieces and I don't want to say they rushed it because I do think they worked diligently last season I just don't think that like I said in the last time we spoke I think some guys underperformed Kyle Lofton being the main one just as a scorer I thought he was a good floor general good facilitator he just didn't operate as a scorer being able to get to the basket as they expected him to be and so that kind of immediately hurt them in going into the season But now you look at the roster, there's no remaining players from Mike White. Everyone's gone. There is a full overhaul of talent that is completely Todd Goldens. So it's going to be able to work in a way that it's all his guys, it's all his system, it's the pieces that he needs to succeed in his eyes. So automatically you look at that and that's a win. And then you have the scoring in the backcourt from riley kugel and walter clayton jr you have an explosive four which is what he's going to look for that can shoot as well so he can step out and he can you know shoot at all three levels but he can get to the bucket he can get rebounds he can create blocks on the defensive end in ej jarvis and you have two centers now not just colin castleton and then jitobo who can give you a solid 15 minutes before he's winded and that's nothing against Jatobo. that's just he had a a brutal recovery process from the eye injury. And he was unable to kind of get back to where he was entering that Tennessee game before he got the eye, you know, cause he was, he was on his way to kind of being a major contributor before uh, he got poked in the eye. And that had that just, you know, awful course of uh, recovery and surgeries and everything like that set. But now you have a legitimate two man rotation in the back court or in the front court, you have a dynamic wing duo and riley Kugel and will richard and you're you know you have walter clayton jr who can be a primary ball handler and they're gonna bring in another ball handler so it just looks like they're filling out the pieces that are needed to operate in this team at a high level and they just didn't have that last year a lot of the players they took were project pieces they put some film on tape that kind of has intrigued other talent to come to gainesville and so because of that they look to be on their way to being a legitimate sec contender if not you know just being in that cons- consistent race to be one of the um teams that every team has to take seriously and really uh, anchor down against if they're going to be able to really you know compete because it's it's looking like a team that can compete consistently all year long whereas last year there were lapses in that area
0: yeah um I do not miss the days of Mike White, I I will say that. But still on the topic of players leaving Florida since since we've been doing that. Uh, The NFL draft was a couple weeks ago at this point. Florida had six players drafted, if not mistaken, more UDFAs added as well. But for you, what would you say is the most surprising pick from this Gators draft class, whether it's too early, too late, or you were just like, why did that team take him?
1: Yeah, I'd have to go with Vintrell Miller. Uh, to Jacksonville in the fourth round, I think in, in a vacuum, I think it's a good fit. I am a skeptical about how early he was taken just because of the injury history. Um, he's undersized and they just didn't have a uh, lack of testing numbers. You know, he's, he's kind of gotten a knock throughout the process. And I, I can see, it. I think he his play speed is faster than his straight line speed. I think he plays faster than he would run in like a 40, but I do think there is room for improvement at that point. And I'm not necessarily confident that that's coming, but I do think he'll fit well in that Jacksonville defense. I think that, you know, he'll be able to play with Foye foyer last year's leading tackler kind of in rotation with him. So he'll learn a lot uh, really early because foyer is one of, you know, he's a pro's pro. I think that he's one of the better linebackers in the NFL, but you're just not going to hear his name as often as you'll hear some others names like Fred Warner and guys like that. But I do think that he's in a good position to learn. He's in a good position to kind of contribute on special teams and be a rotational backer for Jacksonville. And, you know, he'll have Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd alongside him at the weak side backer spot. So he'll have a lot of athleticism and veteran presence and just production around him that I think will make him fit. But it was just the spot that he was taking was something that I was not expecting. I was honestly, I think, I don't know if we talked about it, but I thought he was going to be one that went undrafted um, in, in this draft i thought that he was just going to kind of fall out because of the medicals because of the foot injury and then last year's you know he tore his bicep so just a history of not being able to stay on the field um well you know because he stayed on the field but he was hurt since week two this year so you know it shows that he can he can fight through it but it's still concerning that you know there's little things like that that keep popping up with him so just to have him go that early is is concerning but i do think he slides in nicely uh in this rookie camp coming up and then he's able to kind of make some moves to be that rotational backer and kind of beat out shaquille quarterman for that secondary middle linebacker spot in jacksonville
0: yeah that one uh that was probably most surprising for me as well just because i yeah i thought the injuries were for sure gonna knock him back i thought he was a f- fourth round like player on film but yeah. i was just like injuries not ideal size for the nfl like arm length isn't great and you're like that's gonna be tough to shed blocks like that but yeah. hey I- i'm happy for him like i'll I- be seeds I- yeah he'll be
1: a great uh run defender he'll be a good piece on early downs i'm skeptical about his lapses in coverage i'm not 100 sure if he's going to be able to kind of you know, take on the Travis Kelsey's or, you know, anyone like that. Cause that's, you know, that's where Jacksonville expects to be. They expect to be playing in January, having to cover the Travis Kelsey's and the, you know uh, just uh, playing the Bengals offense and things like that. It's, it's a difficult thing to guard. So um, you look at a rotational backer that is going to have to, you know, be limited to those early downs and you take them in the fourth round with the history of injuries and, you know, the kind of lapses in, in coverage. And it's just kind of, it's nerve wracking uh, initially, but it is. I think it, it'll be a good spot. I think he'll kind of find his niche there and be able to work through some of the um, limitations that his skill set brings as he kind of makes this jump from college to the NFL. Because, like you said, on tape he brings fourth round talent, fifth, fourth, fifth round talent. And you know, I just expected him to be a seventh, you know, round undrafted kind of key free agent in the undrafted free agency just because of all those concerns, but I'm, I'm confident that he's going to be able to contribute in a big way um, off the bench for uh,
0: Jacksonville. Yeah. uh, I'd imagine he destroyed the interview process. That's the only thing I could think of, but uh, I'm not surprised either. Yeah. He's a, he's a good interview at all. Uh, What was your favorite Gator to NFL team fit following the draft? So I probably would have said this no matter who picked him
1: up. Um, but amari bernie to las vegas because i love amari bernie as a next level prospect i think he's going to be a better nfl player than he was a college player because he's able to do it all he can play that weak side backer spot he can scoot out and you know cover a tight end or slot receiver if he needs to He has a history of playing in the secondary he can drop back and play safety on, on sometimes like on in different situations whenever you need you know a guy in the box or uh, just uh, you want to run one high and you have someone playing in like a creeper, like how uh Patrick Tony liked to do here at Florida, um, in, in rush situations. So, I think there's a lot that you can do with him. He can be that Swiss Army knife in that uh Vegas, you know, uh, second and third levels, and he can even rush the passer. So, you just have him to where he can play all three levels. He can really produce in really anything that you want to put him at, uh, put him in any situation you want to put him in, and there's a Big need for Vegas to have a piece like that because they were a top or bottom five defense last season, really struggled to kind of hold any team from scoring points. I know, you know, there's the consistent comeback victories that they allowed, uh, Arizona Cardinals being the main one. You're looking at lost, you know, the Rams whenever they played them. Uh, and Baker Mayfield led the comeback in the fourth quarter. So just little things like that that were kind of really concerning from that defense last year. But now you have a piece that you can just say, Go out there and make plays and i think bernie can do that at a high level in the nfl whether it's coming in a rotational role or he finds his way into a starting role at some point which you looking at that linebacker room i think that's very possible if he's able to perform at a high level in camp so love amari bernie fit i think it's going to be a match made in heaven for him and i think he's going to ball out at the next level
0: yeah i think uh Patrick Graham is just going to destroy with him. The Raiders defensive coordinator used to be Giants defensive coordinator. I think he's going to absolutely destroy, but I am going to put you on the spot a little bit now where it's obviously way out in advance, but which Gator do you think will be the highest drafted in 2024? Jason
1: Marshall Jr. Uh, I think he's going to be a first rounder, uh, potentially even the first cornerback off the board. If he has another year like he did in the second half of the season, I think Florida's going to play a lot more press man this year, which will really kind of help him hone uh, his – or showcase, I should say, his skill set because that's where he excels. And if you're looking at – you know, you just have to put someone on an island, Jason Marshall Jr. is the guy you want to be able to do that with. Uh, he struggled last year a bit in zone coverage, which is why he got off to a slower start than many expected. But when Patrick Tony started putting him in those one-on-one situations, he shut down. And I think that there is a lot of buzz surrounding him and how he's approached this offseason. And I know Corey Raymond, when we talked to him earlier this year, said that he's starting to put it together and he's starting to become a pro. Like he's participating in practice. He's working through the you know process and, and really kind of preparing as if he's a professional player. He said he's ready to go pro. And so if he's kind of brings that to the gridiron this upcoming season – I don't think there's going to be many players on the Florida team better than Jason Marshall Jr., which is a huge sign for Florida's improvement, at least through the, uh, in the you know as a passing defense uh, this upcoming year. Uh, just because you know they're expected to create more pressure and they have someone that can kind of shut down half of the field, that's a big step forward in the right direction for Austin Armstrong and Co. Trying to stop teams from scoring the football at a much lower rate than they did last season. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, there there were two acceptable answers to it. It was Jason Marshall and it was Prince Liam on and Melvin were the only two that I was accepting without giving grief. So I appreciate that one, but thank you so much. This is Brandon Carroll. Catch him with all Gators. The dude pumps out content like crazy, and he'll be back on Locked on Gators. Thanks again for making Locked on Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday to talk more Florida Gators football. I'm not going to lie. I'm hoping there's no commit this week because, or this weekend, because I am not going to be able to go live afterwards. So hope for that. But for Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports, Giants country, NFL 33. And I will see you all Monday.